Okay, guys, welcome, welcome, everyone. All right, let's see. I do believe we are live on Facebook, but we're not live on uh, Looks like there's an error on uh, YouTube, so let's just see. Still not, still not going. Okay, so just give me, just give me three minutes here to get set up. Oh, okay, that looks like it's working now. Let's see. Okay, so that that worked now. Strange. Uh, I got a duplicate key message from Facebook but hey anyways uh, so we are live now and that's gonna be distracting so uh, all right so you know today we're gonna be talking about the nature of God right and uh, here's the thing that I'm seeing in the world that it disgusts me plainly it disgusts me and I hate it and see, Christians, we don't hate many things, right? God is a God of love, so as Christians, we're called to be loving, loving people, right? We're trying to be like God. So if God says, hey, I want you to be 80% love, if I want you to be a very loving person, very kind to other people, right? We're trying to do that, right? And so in a, in a very sincere manner, right, it's very important to the core of us as Christians to be loving, to be kind, to bless people, to help other people, right? To follow God, do what God says, go where God leads. But what I'm seeing in uh, the United States and the religion as a whole, right? As Christianity as a whole, uh, is that what people are doing is that they are just, they're just preaching only the good messages in the Bible. And this, this is because this is what people want to hear. It's what people will tune in and listen to, right? So that, that view counter, right, is has become the almighty, right, in some people's minds. And this is a sort of idolization. It's a form of idolatry. It's forbidden to Christianity. So why do Christians preach? We preach for God. Why do Christians build churches? build up their lives, start families, well, they do all this for God. Why do Christians breathe? Well, we breathe for the Lord God of Israel. And so when people are just promoting uh, positivity, right? Oh, it's just love. That is a flat out blatant lie. It is opposite to the Lord God of Israel. And when you hear preachers telling you that, they are willing to sell their souls into damnation. Uh, this is because what this will produce is what I'm seeing in the culture that I don't really like. It's people who think, oh, God's all love, but they don't understand why they're not obeying God's ways and they're unhappy. Because what God's ways, when applied, when they produce, when they are practiced, is happiness and joy. And so what the shepherds are doing priests are doing is they're saying God's only love this is damaging the flock by the flock not understanding well hey if God's only love then why why am I not happy because I haven't been practicing his ways and I'm suffering because of it and you will you can look 
uh, online for the bad fruit that this produces. It is everywhere. And it is rampant. It is false religion. It is the product of false doctrine is bad fruit. It's damaging fruit. And so you have to be careful, not always, right? But as preachers, as uh, listeners, right? To obey God's full covenant to understand that while God is 90% love and mercy and compassion and blessings and he wants to help us and walk with us and lead us and help us from a point of benevolence right he's not getting anything for it maybe we're not uh, being the, the the greatest Christians at that time maybe we're struggling maybe we're straight out down on the floor broken and uh, disobeying God right this all happens right and God's forgiveness is huge. It's vast. But what you will see is that these preachers are telling only the good. And so because they're telling only the good, the, floss, the flock is lost. They don't quite understand why their lives aren't improving. They don't understand why God would be doing these things to them. Uh, they don't understand the wrath of God. And that is going to be what this sermon is going to be on. And so... Uh, as preachers, my advice is, you know, 90%, right? You don't need to mention uh, hellfire and damnation all the time, but one out of every 10, 20, 30 sermons, something like that, you need to let people know, hey, while God is 90% over here in the realms of love, grace, mercy, compassion, benevolence, philanthropy, etc., 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 the list goes on. There are other aspects to God that you have to grasp, right? The Bible, what the Bible preaches is that there will be blessings for obedience to God and there will be punishments for disobedience to God. But the obedience of, to God is, is vast, right? You can be doing practically anything and be in alignment with God, right? But not when it involves damaging other people's lives, damaging other people's lives right that's a big one not what involves your your uh inner core shifting away from light into darkness for example uh uh not when it involves caring about people in a insignificant way little little care right you love you oh yeah you say you love people but you don't really love people right uh, and this is the core of the religion, right? Being very loving, being uh, very good, being very hardworking for, f so that we can help people. Because if you love someone, right, you take care of them, right? You make sure to put that 100% effort in for them. And so when the word, word goes out as just love, it may produce financial uh, burden or uh, fruit. It may produce financial fruit and the better you make it right uh if you say this point here point a is god god's bible god's teachings the religion accurate theology right well there are limits to how far god wants you to go in preaching it's this good this good point b being over here but point b becomes point c at a certain point where it begins damaging the flock when you stop preaching accurate biblical theology that is going to hurt and damage people's lives 
And uh, if you look, yeah, there there is uh, online, there's backlash stories of people who have uh, walked away from God because uh, they didn't, they didn't, they just thought they were being lied to, and they were. And so they thought God was lying to them. But it wasn't God lying to them. It was just mankind. And so when point A, accurate Christian theology, hits point B, the wall where accurate Christian theology ends, right? Evil is point C. You are twisting the Holy Scriptures too far. You've broken your covenant with God. You've betrayed God. And for this, you will be punished. And... It's not something that people, or I myself, really like talking about. It's not what we want to see in the world. It's not anywhere close to the love of God, or what He wants to see in the world. Okay, so this is why we do not preach uh, theology that is too good, or you preach a really spectacular theology with zero with zero consequences or zero uh, punishment or obedience. Right, that's the problem. Because then the flock won't know why, why they are lost. And so, uh, let's see. Oh, it might not be the same. Let me pull up the first verse here. Oh, let's see. Hmm. Okay, let me see if I can grab it. I was unable to find it. I was unable to find this book in in the NIV, but just give me one second here. I wanted to read it directly from the Bible, but uh, it's a very short book called Nahum. So this is uh, the book of Nahum, and uh, Nahum is prophesying over Nineveh. Nineveh, a very sinful city, but what Nineveh represents is mankind that has walked out of alignment with God and into alignment with the darker sides of human nature, and uh, some of them stepping into the realms of evil itself, right? Uh, 
And it is important to understand that there are trespasses, these are minor offenses. There are sins, these are offenses, and there is evil in the world, right? This is, uh, it's important to know what, what God's okay with and what God is okay forgiving and certain things that God will not forgive. Uh, in the Old Testament, it says that uh, slay, slay ye not the innocent nor the righteous, for I will not justify uh, an evil person. Right, and so if you do, you know, these are this is the level uh, of of sin, right, of evil that is unforgivable. That God in the Bible biblically says, "I will not forgive this." And so here is Nahum one, right. Now there is always mercy, there is always forgiveness, right? Uh, but um, it's not endless, nor is it. Uh, uh, you know, God's mercy, it's not short-lived, right? Like, oh, you made one mistake in your life. That's it. God's going to jump on you. No. God's incredible. God's benevolent. He'll walk with you. He'll lead you and continue leading you. Even when you're struggling, even when you're opposite to him, because he knows what you can be if you come home. If he wants you to come home out of his love, out of God's love for you, he wants you to come home. That's who God is. But, but doing things that are damaging yourself or others is not okay with God. And so that is about when the wrath of God starts to come, appear. And uh, it's not what God likes to do. It's not what I like to preach on. It's definitely not what I like to think about, right? Uh, so let's see, right. And there is a time, right? How long do I have, right? Before God's forgiveness runs out? Well, no one knows the exact, uh, point, right? But in the Bible cities, right? Are usually extended 40 to a hundred years of mercy, something like that. That doesn't mean we can apply that to our own lives, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, think, oh, well, I can drink for 40 years. Well, that is an option that is given to free will. But after 40 years of drinking, don't be surprised if you can't do certain things other people can, can still do or that you're not around, you're not among the living, right? So understanding this, and this is, uh, one aspect of God, right? It's not what he likes to do, but here it is. Prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of vision of Nineveh, the Elkosite. The Lord's anger, okay, let's see. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes he and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger 
but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. Okay, and so there is forgiveness, right? Uh, God, God's forgiveness is incredible. There are instances in the Bible where God will forgive even things uh, such as a tyrannical rule of, the, of Manasseh, right? These are very heinous sins, uh, but no one really knows where God's uh, grace begins, right? You can feel in your life, you can feel and know when you are living in God's grace, when you are dwelling in God's grace. However, uh, you can't really define it, right, in words, uh, interestingly enough. And so, understanding that these verses I'm reading, right, they won't be preached often in churches because it won't produce a financial harvest for a church that is required to produce a financial harvest to survive, right? If the church doesn't hit X dollars, the church goes bankrupt. And so understanding this is important, right? As Christians, we need to understand how the world works, what is biblically accurate, right? And also know that God wants us to reach and try to display and live in a divine love, right? Sort of idealistic ideologies. We reach for the divine. We reach for benevolent ideologies that that are wise, right? They're not like, um, oh, I wish it was this way, so I'll just do it no matter what. No, that's ridiculous. They should be backed with wisdom. They must be backed with wisdom. Otherwise, God doesn't really like it, right? That's foolishness. God doesn't really, he's not so into foolishness, right? It won't benefit people. Wisdom by the definition of it, benefits people. It will help their lives where foolishness will, uh, in the way that I mean it, damage people's lives. So uh, that is why you don't see pastors preaching this. You know, my you know my brother, he was going to a church and he says, uh, he says, you know, I saw this pe preacher and he was preaching hellfire and damnation. And he was preaching the Lord's wrath and the congregation size got smaller and it got smaller and it got smaller and the church went bankrupt. And this is, this is balance, right? This is an improper balance in the, the gentleman's teaching. It's not uh, every sermon. It's not every other sermon, but one of, of 30 sermons, something like that, one of you know, it has to be an accurate depiction of God and how things work, or it has indeed walked out of the divine ways into foolishness. And if you twist it just one step too far, you've gotten up from the Lord's table and sat down at the table of the devil. Because whether you know it or not, right, and here's the thing about evil. Evil is not going to walk up and tell you, hey, this is going to ruin your life. Evil's going to walk up and tell you, this is going to be incredible. This is going to feel great. This is what you want. That's what evil's going to tell you. But the fruit of evil will always be sin, damage, destroy, diminish one's own life, things like that, right? It will always be bad. The fruit will always be bad. And so making sure to, to display, to convey an accurate 
full depiction of God must be part of any preacher's, must be part of any church's curriculum, whatever, uh, truth presented, right, gospel. If God's wrath, which is here, right, God is a, is a God of vengeance. He's filled with wrath. He takes vengeance on his foes, vents his wrath against enemies. If you cut this out, if you cut the punishment out, people will be sinning, thinking God will forgive them. And they will say, I love God. God loves me, so God will forgive me. This is the crux of uh, all sin is forgiven, that the false teaching that all sin is forgiven. Person believes God will forgive me if I sin, right? That is why, right? And so they go and sin thinking God will forgive them. And it damages their life. It damages the flock. It damages a child. And so that is why accurate theology is commanded to be preached by Christ himself. While it's not, uh, you know, the religion's focus isn't centered on wrath. It's not about wrath. We're opposite to wrath. We're all Christians. We're all about love because God's all about love. God is a God of love. So knowing that is important, right? Uh, the Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds and the dust are at his feet. He rebukes the sea and it dries up. Now the sea in our lives can be... Uh, viewed as blessings on our lives, right? Too much pun too much, uh, if we stray too far out of God's holy ways, there will be punishment. The seas will dry up and there may be wrath, right? The mountains quake before him. And I'm just, I'm going to be jumping around Nineveh because we're not going to have time to go over all these verses. Uh, but they are contained in the Bible. They're not what people want to hear. So people won't preach them. But, but you know, when I'm talking to several of my coworkers and they're saying, I don't believe in God. Yeah, he's only good. They say, I believe in the wrath of God. And I tell them, well, haven't you read the Bible? Haven't you read Nahum 1? It's a book in the Bible. God is wrath. God is vengeance, right? Uh, and so, right, so, you know, I am witnessing firsthand these people who are damaged by false teachers, by false prophets, by children of the devil, who are either unaware that they're damaging people or that they are intentionally damaging people. And... What I have seen is that most times people, they don't know they're damaging people. They just realize what works and they just are going to keep preaching that and they expect their flock, the world, to read their Bibles and know that wrath is contained in God's uh, teachings. However, right, you will see teachers who say uh, God's only love, all sins forgiven, things like that. They... 
if, if they know they're guilty, right? And Christ says this too. If you're doing something right, like theology, theological, and you're manipulating it intentionally for evil, right? I'm going to tell them all sins forgiven so that they end up sinning and going to hell. Then Christ says, you will be held accountable. But he also says, if they didn't know and they're not realizing what they're doing is producing bad fruit, whether they know it or not, well, then he says they will not be held guilty, right? This is really important when you know, when you start to uh, listen to accurate Christian theology, accurate Christian theology, not uh, Joel Olstein. Sorry, Joel. Uh, but uh, only positivity, it's, it's not accurate, right? And so... Like I'm saying, one out of 30 every now and then, right? You have to complete, right? You have to complete God's nature. You have to give them the full nature of God, not just lying and saying uh, only positivity. So uh, Nineveh goes on to be destroyed after these events, right? And Around this section of the Bible, there's five or six books on prophets that were sent to Nineveh to warn them and tell them, hey, God loves you. Come back. Please stop sinning. But they don't listen to God. They're, and they end up being destroyed. They end up being completely obliterated. And so that, that and, and you know, do you think, oh, well, is this a one-time occurrence in the Bible? No, it's not. Uh, the wrath of God is a common theme from the first page of the Bible unto its very end, right? But you have to understand, right, the core of God, 90%, where God wants us to operate from is that love nature. God wants us when, when a wrathful person comes around, you just brush them off, you know, hey, no thanks. Or you teach them and lead them, right? God's core nature is... The heart of God is teach them, lead them, save them, right? I've come not for the, uh, I've come only for the lost sheep of Israel. I've come for the lost, right? It's not the people who are living righteous lives and happy and in alignment with God that Christians really should be looking to help, right? It is the lost and the sinful who don't know they're sinning, who have an open ear but they don't have someone to preach to them. And so, uh, you know, that leads me on to, uh, let's see where we're at. Oh, Deuteronomy 26, 12, right? And these are uh, <laughs> verses that you will never or almost never hear taught in a church because it will not produce a financial harvest. The, the, if you preach a sermon like I'm preaching right now, I tell you, you will be broke your whole life. Um, and you will, well, uh, <laughs> it's not going to be the happiest life. You know, maybe you're doing a lot of good telling the, telling the sheep that, um, hey, by the way, there's another 10% uh, of God that people don't talk about very often. You know. God does speak of a place called hell, therefore it exists, right? It's not empty. God didn't make a, a useless place. In fact, 
Christ says, uh, enter through the narrow gate, for broad is the gate that leads into destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads into life. He, he also says that uh, the broad gate is, uh, is wide, and many, many will enter it, right? But so if you're looking for life, it's not the broad road, it's the narrow road. It's the righteous road. It's that holy road that God talks about and points to in the Bible and walks with us as we are walking along. However, right, if you don't know, right, if you're on a straight path and you don't know that there's death on the other side of the path and you're not to get off the path, you might just stray off the path. But indeed, in life, that is often what lies off the road of life. So, uh, jumping on to Deuteronomy 26.12, when you have finished a tenth of your produce in the third year, okay, third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherness, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Okay, so again, a tenth of your tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, foreigner, fatherless, and widow. So interesting point there, if you point it out, it doesn't say a church, right? It does not say, uh, Deuteronomy 26.12 does not say, give your finances to churches. Deuteronomy 26.12 says, give your tithe, your 10% of your money too the Levite, foreigner, fatherless, and widow. Now, a common factor that all these things possess is that they're all people in need. The Levites uh, did not, were not paid in, back in the day, right? And so they didn't survive unless the people fed them. The foreigners, right, the foreigners had just traveled. They were settling in a new land, just getting started because they left, right? Corruption in Russia, let's say. They moved to the United States, tithe, help them out, right? Welcome. Why? Because they ran away from evil, because they hated evil. It's a, it's a good indicator that they're decent people or they're good people, right? So as Christians, we want to surround ourselves with the good, with the good people, right? And the more of them, the more of the good, the stronger we are, the merrier we are, right? The fatherless, these are also people struggling, orphans, right? Uh, for whatever reason, right? Bless them. Hey, do you need help paying for school? Hey, this is, point them in the right direction, right? And the widow, right? Uh, widows back in the day, right? There was not many uh, professions that uh, females were uh, permitted to work in or could work in, right? And so they were in need and as today, there are many widows in need and Levites and foreigners and fatherless, right? And so, interestingly enough, this verse depicts how you are to accurately tithe. It is to go to people in need, right? Not just to a church that is adding on building after building, right? That's good, right? That's spreading the gospel, but it's not 100% of your tithe. Interestingly enough, 
This verse suggests that 2.5% of your tithe should go to the Levite, 2.5% to the foreigner, 2.5% to the fatherless, and 2.5% to the widow. These are people in need. They're struggling. This is the purpose of Christian outreach. By building, <clears throat> building after building, you are not accomplishing the Lord's will. You are not accomplishing what God wants done. You have to take a certain amount, right? If you are a church leader or any person tithing, you have to take a certain amount. And if you want to give it to a building to spread the gospel or a pastor, right? Well, that would be the Levite, right? And that's okay, right? If there is some community project that needs funding, right? But there is a need that will help people in need or, right, it will... Uh, help spread the gospel, right? The Levite, right? Uh, the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Now, interestingly enough, you will never hear a church. You will never hear. I have never heard any pastor besides me preach this uh, verse, not one time in all my life. And I have been Christian uh, practically my whole life since I was about four, something like that. And uh, they won't preach it because it says, give your money to other people besides me, <laughs> right? And so, uh, now there is some wisdom in Christians pooling their finances in a church so that they can have a larger number to uh, deploy, to produce benevolent or uh, divine actions, right? Like building a homeless shelter, uh, reaching out to poor, teaching, blessing other people, making sure uh, orphans get their way paid through college so they can have a good life that would otherwise not be afforded to them, etc., etc., etc. And while I am giving a few examples, right, there are an incredible amount of people out there in the world who need to see the love of God, who need that divine blessing upon their lives, right? So this is really important, and it's uh, when you look at some churches, if you look at a church and it is not uh, outreaching locally and globally, right, locally and maybe a little further than that, who knows, they're not Christian at all, have nothing to do with that church. You are literally just giving your money away for no purpose. You could just take your 10%, hold on to it, and still end up exactly where you were going in the first place. That is the truth. If you do not obey God's ways, right, you are not inside righteousness, right? If you worship money, you are not inside righteousness. You're a money worshiper, whatever, right? It is, uh, it's not the nicest sermon to preach, but that's what it is, right? The problem with adding church after church is that the man, right, the human is not helped. You take $100 million, you have $100 million given to you to distribute, and you take $100 million and you build a church, well, what percentage of that went to a nice, went to a person in need? What percentage of that was used to do God's will? What percentage of that was used to display the love of God? Okay, and so, let's see, let me check where we are for time real quick.
neither, neither of them actually tell me how much, how long. Okay, 35 minutes. Oh, I've been going too long already. Okay, so this is the last verse, and then we'll close up after this. Uh, if there are any questions, guys, please email me. If you want to know where any of my theology comes from or if it's accurate, I'd be happy to explain to you any questions in re regards to practically uh, much, let's say much, a lot of biblical things. I'm happy to answer. Happy, happy to answer for you guys to the best of my ability. Uh, the email is josephjohannan at gmail.com. It's listed on our website, docw.us. If you guys want to check it out, feel free. And uh, so this is Romans 13, 3. Do you want to be free of the one, okay, free of fear from the one in authority? So this is the Apostle Paul referencing being afraid of God. The Bible suggests, instructs us to fear God. But as, as long as you understand the confines of God's covenant, you've read your Bible, you understand that we shouldn't be uh, stealing from people, things going around damaging other people, things like that, right? You can be free of the fear of God. Not respect, right? We are, we're called to love and respect God, but the fear of God only comes when you're outside God's covenant, doing things God does not like, right? And so, uh, Bible says, fear God. So, all right, do you want, this is Romans 13, 3, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, New International. Do what is right, and you will be commended. <clears throat> For the one in authority is God's servant for your good but if you do wrong be afraid rulers do not bear the sword for no reason they are god's servants agents of god's wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer <clears throat> and so uh from the beginning of the bible to the end pages right blessings for obedience punishments for disobedience right uh Perhaps you're doing things that might cause someone to bring a sword against you, right? Damaging other people's lives. This is a very common one, whether, whether you know it or not, right? Being very loving towards other people will benefit your life in a great way as God commands. God is commanding for our good, so we do it, right? Uh, they are agents of the Lord's wrath right and god is vast mankind cannot grasp the wisdom of god so sometimes when you see tyrants right uh growing up in power in the world you might not really understand why god's permitting it but sometimes right uh, a, tr a period of hardship has to come to save people's souls, to turn people back away from the darkness, etc. This is what happened with Nineveh. Um, <clears throat> mankind seeing Nineveh uh, rejoicing, partying all the time, doing whatever they wanted. You know, maybe they were calling some of God's sheep, right? They were uh, leading some of God's sheep away, right? Saying, oh, this is so good. This is the life, right? Little did they know, 20 years from then, their kidneys were going to be shot. Their bodies were going to feel like a living hell, and etc., etc., etc. Their minds will no longer function in the same way that they did prior to engaging in uh, all sorts of sinful activities, right? And so, 
if you ever want to see what uh, ooh, what what hell on earth looks like, uh, I worked as an EMT uh, for you know a few years and uh, visited many many dialysis clinics. And dialysis is where your kidneys have failed, and um, you need a machine to circulate your blood and, and filter the blood in your body. And these patients, they sit for six hours connected to uh, this sort of machine uh, so that they don't die. Because if, if they didn't do it without kidneys, they would die, right? So they're sitting there having their blood pumped through their bodies by a machine on all sorts of drugs. Uh, suffering. It's not an enjoyable experience for six hours a day, sometimes five days a week. Uh, that'll, that will be a strong mental uh, encouragement to uh, stay away from uh, drugs and alcohol and damaging your, your temple. You only get one body, right? And if you destroy it, well, you're, you're driving around in a destroyed body for the rest of your life so uh agents of the lord's wrath right be on guard right we're not trying to bible says to walk blamelessly right so we're not trying to tick people off or um uh step on people's toes however the bible does say that we are to stand on the side of good and battle for righteousness jesus christ asks for uh, sorry not righteousness justice Yes, Jesus Christ asks for righteousness, but he also asks for justice. So if you are standing up for what is right, i.e. justice, i.e. righteousness, and people don't like that, that's okay, right? However, uh, <clears throat> you have to be careful because what mankind will often do is they'll twist the scriptures just a little bit, right? I'm standing for righteousness while I am trying to do something beneficial to myself that's not actually righteousness. I believe the scriptures say we should promote finance because no, right? So be on guard about uh, twisting the scriptures, right? And when you combine it all, right? When you can put it all together, it will produce a, a covenant that will lead you to the silver linings that will lead you to heaven, everlasting life, right? You combine the ways of the Bible, you combine the ways of God's teachings, and you follow them like they were the air in your lungs, like you needed them to breathe, and you will, you will live, right? And while there may be turmoil, uh, after all this, the victory of the rock is accomplished, and God's will is brought to completion.